0: Hoping that by sharing my story with you, that you'll get to know me a little better, but my bigger hope is that the Holy Spirit would move or awaken something new or old in you that will produce more love and compassion and an understanding towards God and people. So here's my story: I was adopted at birth by parents who tried to get pregnant for eight years. They adopted my older brother two and a half years prior and got a call about a girl in high school that was pregnant with a baby girl. They said yes, and when I was three months old, they got pregnant with my brother. How many times have you heard that story? I grew up in a Christian home and was loved unconditionally. I was the only girl and I loved every minute of it. Looking back at my childhood holds many fond memories. But as I grew, mostly in my teen and tween years, I struggled with my identity. Being adopted puts an immediate target on your life. It's an easy little foothold the an- enemy has to get in and accuse you. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I didn't share blood with this family, and my birth family didn't feel real any anymore. So despite being fiercely loved, I I felt alone in this. After high school, I married the boyfriend that I dated on and off throughout high school. We got married a year after I graduated, and three months later, I was pregnant with Kyle. Being pregnant was the only thing I knew I ever wanted. This baby was all mine. We shared blood. He came from my own body, and I couldn't be happier. I wanted to swallow him up and eat him. Not now, because he's 19. (laughs) They grow and become a man. I left my husband when Kyle was a baby. He was addicted to many things, and despite going to intense rehab, he could not free himself. I think Kyle was two when I officially divorced. I had lost so much, and because of his addictions, I was left with nothing and even his family, the family that I loved so much, was also gone to me. So here's where I found this verse. I moved back home and my mom literally became Jesus. Her depth and love for Jesus was beyond anyone I knew. She would read her Bible and come out with a fresh word from God. It was life-breathing and magical. Divorce is such a public thing There's no hiding from that, and I felt like I had lost everything. When I was in high school, I was in cheer, swimming, choir. I ran for Miss Dinuba. I had lots of friends, and I had a church that rallied behind everything I did. They supported me. They threw graduation parties, wedding parties, baby showers, only to see it end shortly after. You're getting the picture, right, all I just felt all eyes on me. I felt so big. I wanted to crawl in a hole and never to be seen again. I was swallowed up by shame and embarrassment. It was the moment that I decided to blend in and disappear. So when my mom shared her verse with me, it was a turning point in my life. I began to pray and live that verse. And as much as I wanted to crawl under a hole, I began to see I did have Jesus. I did believe in God. I knew that he really loved me and redeems people. He became so real to me that I didn't live in grief or sadness. I found joy like I've never known, and I saw the Lord provide for me, talk to me. When I prayed that verse, I meant it. I clung to it. I wanted to know him. He truly was all I had. And I stood on the fact that he alone would pull me out of the mire and mud and set me on solid ground. To seek means to search for, hunt for, and look for. It's an attempt or desire to obtain something. To be intent on, aim for, and call on. Matthew 6.33 has depth to it. I find it's about saying, you can have this world, take it all, but give me Jesus. Nothing else matters but him. So I got a job. Bought a car, started putting my life back together, and couldn't fathom how a husband would come. I was determined not to make anything happen. I just kept my eyes on the one who knew me and knew what I want and needed. I kept seeking him first and his kingdom. I would sometimes hear the enemy say that no one's ever going to want a divorced, singled mom without an education. But I held on to the promise to seek him first and that truth because it was all I had. I believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to me, so I waited. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So Nathan and I grew up together. He was friends with both my brothers. He was a year older in school than me, so we had different friends. But during the summers, he would find his way to our house, my pool, and my mom's waffles with peanut butter. Sometimes showing up before us kids were awake. True story. (laughs) He started going camping with us when he was 10, and shortly after, his family made it every year as well. One of the highlights of our trip is jumping off of John Muir Rock in the river with massive cliffs circling around us. It's really beautiful. If you've never been, you should go. We just came back from 10 days and saw bears at that rock. It's just fun. Um, During my divorce, Nathan was a gift. He was there for me. He would convince me to keep coming to church, keep coming to youth gatherings and conferences. He didn't let me hide away. He was the social hub of our group of friends. If Nathan planned an event, everyone came every time. One day he asked to wash my car and came back with a new sound system in it. (laughs) We would sometimes show up to places, I know Travis remembers this, and say, The Jeffersons are here. Everyone, Our church thought we should be together, but we were just happy being friends. And at the time, I didn't think he was my type, and those feelings would come up for me, and I would just hand them back to Jesus. I knew I couldn't trust my heart, and if these feelings were real, then they would have to be revealed to Nathan, too. They obviously came for Nathan, and we got married on John Muir Rock at sunset. Our camping rock became our wedding rock. Kyle was five when we got married. This was another moment in time with this verse. This verse was the foundation of our marriage. We had it on our wedding cake, and we scratched it into our concrete of our light post out front. I knew that if we were to be successful at marriage and parenting, we had to seek God first every time. In the past, I would seek out marriage and babies first, And then when I put God really first in my heart, he gave me something better than I could have ever hoped for. We waited a year before trying to get pregnant. It was a major fail. This, believe it or not, became some of the darkest days for me. I um, wanted to be a mom again, and, and we tried for four years while all our friends continued to have baby after baby. I know some of you dealing with infertility and I know that pain. I know how bad it hurts while trying to be happy for those around you. During that time, I questioned God and his reasoning, questioning his goodness, believing at times that he didn't want to bless us. I kept thinking that I was going around the same mountain, around and around, and not learning whatever it was he was trying to teach me. But in the middle of that wait, Nathan, Kyle, and I went to YWAM. It's a six-month discipleship and mission school. And there was a speaker who said that God is good all the time. And everything he does is out of his great love for us. That message stuck with me. I still questioned God, but I trusted him. I couldn't make this happen on my own. And I remember worshiping from a deep place, singing songs of his goodness. I started seeking him only and then waiting some more. We did end up going to fertility And it was somewhat of a confirmation that I knew deep down that the wait was his plan. The doctor said there was nothing wrong with either of us. And to him, that was the worst kind of patient because there's nothing to fix. We were considered an infertile couple. But to me, I felt peace knowing the unexplainable was in his hands. We did our first month of fertility and got pregnant. We had Caleb and our hearts were full, we ended up waiting again and and started talking about adoption. We even went through the process of foster adopt, but we were also doing another round of fertility, and we got Jonah. And they're almost four years apart. When Jonah was born, we moved here to Visalia. We had been attending Radiant for over a year, and Nathan works here. It was then I, I, well, I've always wanted a daughter. My mom and I are best friends. And I can't imagine not having that. You know that saying, a son is a son till he takes a wife, but a daughter is a daughter the rest of her life. That's me. (laughs) And I wanted that too. So adoption came back strong for me, but this time my heart was pulled internationally. I'm going to go back a minute and first tell you that when I got married, adoption was not something I wanted. I wanted to have my own blood kids. I had lived the life of growing up being adopted, and remember those feelings of identity crisis. But God had a plan to redeem adoption inside of me. He knew what he was doing when I struggled with infertility for five years. He knew what he was doing when my ovaries were aging, and I couldn't have the four kids in a row that I had planned. He knew what he was doing by giving me all boys, even our dog is a boy. That's five males and one female in my house. God was setting me up for the biggest story of redemption in my life. But here's where I wanted to back up. God had already done major things in my heart about adoption. When Nathan, Kyle, and I were in YWAM, we had a group leader, and she held this inner healing session. So she led us through this listening prayer. She led me. I've never been able to share this story without crying, and I'm hoping this is going to be my first. Even when I've practiced this, I still tear up. But she asked me to take her back to the time when I was born. And I honestly thought, this was just a made-up thing. I'm just going to follow along with this, just use my imagination. Um, but I, knew, I had been to every altar call that ever was about identity, abandonment issues, and I never felt any different. So I went along with it. So she asked me what I was doing at my birth. So I closed my eyes, and I immediately saw this picture of me as a newborn with my arms flailing, and my parents just so happy, just waiting for this baby to come, and my birth mom handing me to her, and I was crying. And she asked where Jesus was. And I said, I don't know, he's probably there in the room, I'm sure he was. She said, well, I want you to look. So I closed my eyes and, I don't know, I saw him in the corner just watching. So she began to pray for me and pray that healing would come and pray that I would see the truth of who God was and and that she, she prayed something about him being put into that room. So then she asked, now where is he? and I kid you not, this really happened. I still thought we were just pretending, but I was still going along with it, but when I closed my eyes, I saw him swaddle me, Jesus, as tight as any baby could ever have been swaddled, and I saw him holding me as close to his mouth as possible, and he was whispering and kissing me, and then I saw him hand me to my parents, and and I broke. I, cr- I cried, and I sobbed, and I went back to my room, and I sobbed some more. And I realized that all that make-believe that we did about going back in time did the deepest work in me, because the next day I woke up, and every day after that, I've completely healed. I, I, people can talk about adoption or identity or abandonment issues, and I'm, I'm free. So when the adoption talk started back in our house, it was Nathan that wasn't sold on the idea of international adoption, mainly because it cost a mini fortune. I had to wait and seek the Lord first. I gave him my heart and let the rest be whatever God wanted it to be. I knew it would be a long shot for Nate to say yes, so I just handed that desire back to God. God did move in his heart, and he said yes to international adoption and yes to a daughter. I was asked to share about adoption at church a couple years ago and asked God what to share about while I was in the shower, because that's where I only have time alone. I was about to practice my adoption story just to get things going between us, and I felt like he took over and started telling me the story of my life, where I came from, my heritage, my bloodline, all of it. The story about how adoption was on his heart before the beginning of time. I was reminded about the story of Jesus being adopted by Joseph. Joseph. Matthew 1 gives the genealogical proof that Jesus, in his humanity, was a direct descendant of Abraham and David through Joseph, Jesus' legal father. The genealogy in Luke 3 traces Jesus' lineage through his mother Mary. Jesus is a descendant of David by adoption through Joseph and by blood through Mary. All of those verses you read about in the Old and New Testament preparing the way of their king with the side story of adoption. I heard clearly for the first time in my life that my bloodline is in Christ. I am literally an heir to his throne. I belong to the kingdom of God. I am adopted into the family of God. I am truly a daughter. Galatians 4, 7 says, you are no longer a slave, but God's heir. Therefore, You are no more of a servant but a son than an heir of God through Christ. In our family, we love to brag about Nathan's great, 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 great -great uncle being Thomas Jefferson. It's real. (laughs) I've always thought that's super cool to be married into that family line. I know some of you have influential people in your lineage, but that heritage will still fade away. Our bloodline through Jesus will never fade away. It will be the last bloodline standing. All of our beautiful stories of where our ancestors came from, what they did, will, will pale in the light of our, what our ancestors in Christ did. It's a family line that will never fade. What a better heritage to boast on than any other. And I'm so proud of that family line I share and that adoption is a part of that story. I recently was down south at a church service and heard a message on shame. I couldn't avoid the coincidence of what I wrote about while preparing this and what she said about shame. I had to ask Jesus if my fear of getting up on this stage had anything to do with shame. And if so, then lead me out. She said, shame causes you to disappear, to hide, to not speak or be seen, and to blend in. I had just wrote about that on page one that week before. The speaker said, if these things are true for you, then I want you to stand up. And I, not wanting to cause attention to myself, suddenly stood up without thinking first. Tears started streaming down my face, and I felt invited to come out of a place of hiding. It's been 18 years of hiding and blending in that I don't even know how to walk out. But I know that I don't have to know. All I have to do is seek him first, want him first, keep him first, and all these other things will come. I take God at his word when he says, all these things shall be added. All, meaning all. Whatever you worry about, whatever your needs or desires are, the struggles are real. We all face them. And when I feel like I'm hitting a dead end when I can't get past something and cannot for the life of me change me, I turn toward him. Love him and be loved. And all of a sudden, all of these things are added. And all I did was seek him first. We all have messes in our lives, in our hearts and minds, and we oftentimes educate or talk ourselves through it, around it, or best out of it. We beg God to do all of these things. But let me suggest to you a way that deepens your relationship with Jesus and brings about character, perseverance, and understanding. Stop striving and working and perfecting your scripts of life and follow him, even into the wilderness or storms. And you will not only get to know God, but you will find yourself knowing more joy and understanding and a deeper love than you could have ever imagined. So in wrapping up, I just want to say that when I was invited into knowing this verse, I had absolutely nothing in the physical. But I knew that with every fiber of my being, that even when I had nothing, I had him. And that even in the waiting or storms of life is a part of God's plan for us to need and want him. And believe me, it's out of his great love that we need and want him. And at the end of your waiting is really where you get him. So let's pray. Jesus, I just pray for those here who are in the storms of life or waiting, that you will capture their hearts in a real way. I pray that the Holy Spirit would settle inside of those hurting, dark places and would reveal to them that they have you, the one true living God who loves and cares for them as well as their wants and desires. I pray that we would always seek you first and trust that in seeking you, we find our healing and we find immeasurable joy. Amen. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city That I'm compelled to find Though I love the flowers and trees And the smell of the grinding sea. And all the beautiful things here.